This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, I'd like to share with you some strategies that successful people use in order to be successful in their lives. And these are strategies that you too can adopt. And I am sure because you are already successful, you are already adopting many of these strategies. And we're just going to talk about them today so you can double down on them and be even more intentional about using what works. First, I want to mention the first strategy is positive possibility perspective. And this is important. This is the attitude that says, I can do what is necessary to do for my success. It is an acknowledgement and a recognition that we are serving a God of abundance, a God who is ready to provide all things for us to enjoy. There is a way to health and wealth for you personally and also for your organization. And I'm defining health and wealth very broadly. I'm defining it as what has you in the center of your purpose and your mission. You're doing it well. You have all the resources you need spiritually, physically, monetarily, people-wise in order to get it done doesn't mean you have that 24-7 all the time. It does mean, however, that ultimately in the grand scheme of things, you will have what you need in order to be successful. And that requires this possibility perspective. The possibility perspective says, no matter what I see right now around me, no matter what's going on, no matter what's even in my current circumstances, I see the possibilities that even transcend my current circumstances. Not only do I see the glasses half full as opposed to half empty, as we've talked about before, even if it looks like the glass is drained or only half full, we know that no matter the situation, the glass is also refillable. And that's an important concept to keep in mind. So those who have positive possibility perspective, they're looking beyond the present to what can be and what will be down the line. They're not chained to what is. They're not chained to the fact that maybe they've never been there before. They realize it's still possible to go to the places that they want to go and that they set their sights on and set the sails so that they actually end up going to those places. So that's the first thing, this attitude of possibility, this attitude of can do is important for success. Number two, I would call decide definite direction. Sometimes people are not as successful as they could be because they have not declared a definite direction. They haven't declared a definite goal, a place that they want to go, an item that they want to achieve. And just think about it. If you get in your car 
and you don't decide where you're going, you probably will waste a lot of time and you'll end up going maybe a lot of places that you didn't want to go. And perhaps you would even be inefficient in how you get there. So if you really want to be strategic, decide in advance some definite objective. And this is hard for people because people sometimes are reluctant to put a true stake in the ground and say, this is the amount that we're going for this year in terms of our profitability, or these are the goals and the objectives that we have set. These are the kind of impacts that we want to have in our clients' lives and so on. And I will say to you that those who do decide a definite direction are much more likely to get there than those who wander around in the wilderness without making a decision of where it is they really want to go. And think about it in this sense. If you were planning a vacation, until you decide where you're going on that vacation, you're kind of hampered in what kind of planning you can do. Because first you have to decide, I've got to, if maybe there's a flight involved, you've got to plan flights, maybe there are hotels, you've got to look at hotels. Well, if you don't know a location, it's difficult to plan anything like flights and to plan anything like hotels. So what that looks like is someone says, you know, I'd like to go on a really nice vacation and they don't commit to any place. And so they keep saying that And in a lot of cases, they never go on that vacation because they have not set their sights on anything specific that they can pursue. And you might wonder, well, why is that important? It's important because once we decide what we want, once we decide what we're going to do, all of a sudden our vision is tuned to making that reality happen. So if you've ever said to yourself, you learned about a new car that you never heard of before, and somebody tells you about this model, and let's say it, there was a red so-and-so. And up to that point, you have not seen any red so-and-sos on the road. As soon as that's now in your mind, you're amazed by the volume and number of that model of car in red that you end up seeing on the road because your brain is attuned to it now. The same is true when you set a definite direction and purpose your brain will work in concert with you to help you achieve that definite direction and purpose. So for example, once I decided that with my husband that we were going to Southern California on vacation, that ruled out a lot of other places and it narrowed our focus, which focused our energy and focused our time. And in addition to saying we're going to Southern California, I wanted to be in a place that was oceanfront. That narrows it even more. It was easy to look at, okay, where we're going to fly to, easy to look at what hotels we might explore or take a look at, because we also said we'd like to be in the San Diego area in general. So all of this, setting a specific direction, helps in achieving the the likelihood of really getting there. So you want to commit to what it is that you want to do. Now, some people are reluctant to commit because they're afraid, well, if I commit to this today and something changes tomorrow, now I'm stuck with that. And I'm here to remind you that you really can change your mind. For example, we actually thought about taking a vacation on the East Coast this year. 
However, our vacation is always during hurricane season. And so when my husband showed me the graph and picture of the spike, the huge spike in difference in the number of hurricanes that really do occur during hurricane season, I tuned my mind away from the East Coast and then started looking at the West Coast. And thankfully, I'm really thankful that we did that because huge hurricanes, in fact, did strike the area that we were considering as a possibility. So yes, you can change your mind. You're not stuck with whatever you decide today, but deciding today does give you a direction until new information comes in that lets you know maybe a change or a shift would be helpful or would be useful. So that's number two, decide definite direction. Number three is what I would call focus faith forward. This is to think about future opportunities. Think about the good that's coming and that you are creating. A lot of people waste energy and time because they're focused on the past. They're focused on what they haven't done. They're focused on where they haven't been, what they haven't accomplished. They're focused on failures that may have occurred in the past, blunders, mistakes, difficulties, challenges, hardships. And here's what I would say. Those who are successful are focused more on where they're going rather than on where they've been. Now, where they've been is important because you have had a journey, you've learned some lessons along the way, and you do want to apply those lessons to where you're going next and to the future movement. So you want to consider the past principally for learning and applying learned lessons to the future. And I want you to think about yourself as running in a race. If you are running in a race, even if it's a short race, like a hundred yard dash, or even if it's a very long race of several miles or kilometers, if you look behind you to see what's going on there, you slow yourself down. And those few seconds of being slowed down can be the difference between success and failure in a very close race with people who are all very competent. So I would encourage you when you're running in this race of life to be successful at your purpose and your calling, don't look behind you, rather look ahead to where you're going so that all of your momentum, all of your energy is forward focused and you're not working at cross purposes with yourself. You have to remember that all things really do work together for your good. And that's what faith is all about. Because there are times when there will be challenges, there will be difficulties, there will be hardships that come your way. And you don't want to let those hardships scare you because God also uses the mountains and the valleys in our lives for our good for his purposes. All things really do work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. So number three, as we just mentioned, we would say is focus faith forward. And then that brings us to number four, which is to grow gratitude. 
Here's what you want to remember. God really does want to bless you. You don't have to convince him to bless you. That is God's heart to bless us. Even in challenge and difficulty, even when Israel was rebellious against God, his heart was always restoration, always redemption, always goodness for his people, even when he had to discipline them, even when they were taken into captivity at different times, God still said, I know the plans that I have for you to give you hope and a future. So we want to always have gratitude about the fact that we are serving a God of abundance, one whose heart is already tuned towards abundance and blessing us in our lives. So when we practice and grow gratitude for what we've already received, that opens the doors of our hearts for more blessing to come in. And God wants us to be those vessels and recipients of his abundance and of his goodness and of all of those blessings. And when we're staying in a place of complaint, when we're staying in a place where we're not thankful and not seeing what he's already done, the door may be open and we will miss it. We won't see it because the way we approach life, the attitude that we bring has a lot to do with what doors we actually see and which doors we actually walk through. So gratitude is important. And so often God would remind his people to remember what he had done for them in the past and to be thankful about what he had done in the past. And even through tough times, when Israel had to walk the 40 years through the wilderness, God later told them, your shoes didn't wear out. I provided food for you, including the food that angels eat, the manna from heaven. I provided water for you, even in the desert. So he reminded them, even in hard times, I was there. I was taking care of you. Even when you were in captivity, I was there. I was taking care of you. And I made sure that you came through on the other side, that you had descendants for the future. So we want to just remember that a thankful heart is really a magnet for even more of what we need in this life. We don't want to end up being guilty of building a dam up and against God's flow in our lives. So don't dam it up. Open up the floodgates because God will pour in a blessing that is so abundant, we won't have room enough even to receive it. So we want to make sure that we are vessels ready to be filled. And I'll just mention one illustration. There is an account in the Bible about a parable that Jesus tells about the vineyard owner who goes out into the highways and byways And he finds men who are not gainfully employed. They're looking for someone to hire them for the day. And what you have to understand about the culture at that time is that if you did not get hired for that day, you did not make the money that you needed to feed your family for that day. So it was very serious. That meant you weren't going to eat that day if you weren't hired. So when 
the vineyard owner goes out early in the day, he hires a number of people. He goes out a little bit later, he hires a number of people. And he promises them, if you work in my vineyard today, I will pay you a denarius. And what we have to understand is that that denarius is what they needed to feed their family for that day. And we know in the Lord's Prayer, part of it says, give us this day our daily bread. Well, our abundant God does that. So then as he's continuing, he sees men in the last hour of the workday who have not been hired. And he says to them, like, why are you still here? And they said, no one has hired us. So he says, well, come into my vineyard and do this work. And when you've done the work, I'll pay you what is fair. Now, in reality, at the end of the workday, the vineyard owner pays all the workers the exact same, one denarius. So those who worked all day, 12 hours, and in the heat of the day, they're thinking, well, how fair is this? This one man comes in. He works for one hour and he gets all of the same pay that I did when I've been working 12 hours. Shouldn't we be paid more? And I like the way that Jerry Bridges describes the story in his book, Transforming Grace, Transformed by Grace. That Transforming Grace book in it, he says, the vineyard owner knew that if he didn't hire those men in the last hour, they would not have enough money to feed their families for that day. So for all of the workers, the objective was to feed their families for that day. Some worked all day for that to happen. Some worked in the last hour. And he was being a very generous employer to pay the last workers the exact same amount. Now, if he had paid them something less than that, their work, even for that one hour, would not have benefited them because they still wouldn't have been able to feed their families for that day. And we have to remember, God doesn't owe us anything. We haven't, in a sense, earned anything. Yet, out of his generosity, he provides for us anyway. And that should be cause enough to be grateful, to be thankful, and not only to know it, but to call out to God and name the blessings, the things that we often take for granted, our daily food, shelter, and clothing. There are parts of the world where people don't have daily food, shelter, and clothing, and we want to be thankful for these abundant blessings that we have in our country and in our society right now. So grow gratitude is number four and very, very important. Number five is pursue persistent perseverance. And this is important because everything and every day is not easy. Some efforts that we're involved in and that we're pursuing, they might take longer. And this is a tragedy that some people have worked hard for a long period of time only to stop just short of their goal and success, only they didn't know that they were that close to success along the way. So what I would say is we have to sometimes be persistent. We have to persevere through trials, through hardships, through struggles, through difficulties. In those mountains and valleys that I mentioned earlier, 
And we have to remember to come back another day. Come back another hour. Keep at it until you achieve your goal. And when I'm thinking about this in this time that this is being recorded, I'm thinking about the war between Russia and Ukraine. Even though Ukraine is a small nation and Russia has so many more resources in a sense than Ukraine, Ukraine has not given up in their fight for independence, their fight for sovereignty of their own nation, their fight to be free and to be able to govern themselves. And so they dig deep down inside of themselves. They reach out to allies and other help, and they come back to the battle another day to persevere and to persist, even though it is not easy, even though it is difficult. So pursue persistent perseverance because many people who would have won didn't win. They weren't successful because they didn't persist, because they didn't persevere until the goal was secured, until the goal was achieved. So number five, pursue persistent perseverance. Then number six is trust team talent. Remember that we have been created to be in community with other people. We're not on an island by ourselves. And therefore, we don't have to feel like we must depend on our own weight, our own abilities for the responsibilities that we have. You have people in your company and in your organization, and those people and you are here for this time, this season, and for a reason, just like Esther was in the palace for such a time as this. She was there because she would later then be able to save her people from disaster. Well, you are where you are, and the people in your company and organization are where they are to make a difference. And today's challenges are too complex for just one person to be able to know what to do in all instances in moving forward. So when we think about the body of Christ, we think about different parts of the body serving in different ways, the arms, the hands, the feet. And the problem is we will go in wrong ways or trip over ourselves if we're not coordinated together with all of our parts. So we want to remember that the eye has a role, the ear has a role, the arm, the hand, the fingers, the toes, every part of the body is necessary. Every part of your team is necessary in terms of thinking about what is useful and what will work to achieve the objectives that you now have on your plate. You want to remember that this is a collective journey and a collective partnership. And that means making sure that your team members have a voice in co-creating that partnership and how you do it along the way. So it's not just the one leader, it's the team in combination, weighing in, bringing the best of their talents to the process. 
So number six is trust team talent. And by the way, that doesn't mean you do everything the team says. To to the contrary, what you are doing is you are accessing the expertise, the knowledge, and the wisdom of the team in that collective brainstorming and the work that you're doing together. And out of that, you are then deciding what is the best course of action and moving forward. It doesn't mean that you just do whatever the team says. That's not the way you're doing it. You're trusting the team to brainstorm with you. You're trusting the team to think with you. You're trusting the team to bring their A game of ideas. And out of that is going to emerge the direction that you really should go in. So that's six, trust team talent. Number seven, seek to serve. This is huge. Seek to serve. Those who are successful in this life recognize that they are here for a reason. They're here for a purpose that goes beyond just themselves. So you have to decide what service are you going to render and who are you going to provide service to. First of all, you definitely want to provide services even to the team members in your own organization. There may be some learning opportunities that you are providing for them. You also want to serve those who are in your target market, your customers who are coming to benefit from whatever the products and services are in your business. You are there to serve people who are in your faith community, people in your community in general where you live. So serving others and recognizing who you've been put here to serve is really important. You want to awaken the generosity that's inside of you for mutual benefit. And as you are awakening that generosity for mutual benefit, you want to do more than what is expected. You want to serve with excellence and continue to have that abundance thinking. I'm remembering a friend who was dating a man who was telling a story about himself to my friend. And this was a new relationship. And the man was talking about how that at work, he wasn't going to waste a whole lot of time doing the work of the employer and whatever they wanted him to do, whatever they asked him to do. He was only going to do the bare minimum to get by. Now, people with that attitude are rarely successful, and they're hard people to live with as well. So I actually advised my friend to seriously consider whether she wanted to continue dating this person, because that man was sharing something about his character that ultimately would manifest in their relationship in a negative way. He was not going to be a generous person. He was not going to be a kind person or one who would put himself out for someone else. If he couldn't even do that in something simple, like in the workplace, how could we then say he's going to make those sacrifices in his more personal life as well? So my friend discovered what I said about this person ended up being true. And ultimately, the relationship ended after a lot of very sour notes and tremendous difficulty. However, when people tell you about who they are early on, and they're the ones letting you know their philosophy of life, I would say, believe them. 
because they're probably going to live just the way they told you that they're going to live. So if you want to be successful, you want to prioritize, you want to seek to serve other people just the way Jesus did. Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve other people. And that's the way you want to have your mindset shaped as well. Many times it is fear that causes some people to stop using these seven success strategies. So what happens is they stop doing what actually is working. And the reason why they stop is because they're looking around and they're seeing danger. They're seeing something in the circumstances. And rather than to say to themselves, you know, we've been practicing this all along and it has been working for us. It's part of our success strategy. Instead, they shrink back. They shrink into the background and they stop doing what actually was working for them. Now, if you stop doing what's successful and you stop doing what's working and you batten down the hatches instead, chances are you'll be locked up behind the battened down windows and your success has also flowed out the window. So you don't want to stop doing what works. You want to keep doing what works. Because first of all, we know that perfect love cast out all fear. And we know that God is love. He is perfect love. And it's through him and his divine power, according to 1 Peter 1, that we have everything that we need for life and for godliness. Now, when others operate in this fearful space that I'm talking about, and when they shrink back, it leaves a void that you and your organization can fill. Because with others operating out of fear and not serving anymore, you can jump in and serve where they left off. So always keep in mind the service opportunity and the service purpose in your life. So if I review these seven again, number one is positive possibility. Perspective is number one. Number two, decide definite direction. Number three, focus faith forward. Number four, grow gratitude. Number five, pursue persistent perseverance. Number six, trust team talent. And number seven, seek to serve. And one of the things that God would say is to remember all that he's done for you. And that certainly grows that heart of gratitude and helps to fuel the spirit of service to others as well. Right now in our world, we're in quite a season of wars and hurricanes and fires and earthquakes and tremendous difficulty. So one of the things I want to encourage you in is to stay in hope. There is hope no matter what's swirling around us. Hope in God no matter your circumstances. He is sovereign over all. It may seem as though things are out of control. God has brought many people before us through similar circumstances in fact, some even worse than what we're going through. So we know that he is able, we know that he is capable, and we are going to continue to trust him in the process. 
So as we are closing today with these success strategies, I'd like to read something from 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter, and it's verses 17 through 19. And this is a warning to those who are rich in this world and a reminder as well about what God is calling us to. It says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So in this season of floods and hurricanes and earthquakes and fires and so on, be willing to give, be willing to share. And you sharing your abundance with others does not diminish anything about your abundance. In fact, it opens the windows and floodgates to receive even more because God knows he can trust you to use the resources he gives you, not only to benefit you, to also benefit others. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.